What's up, church? How you guys doing this morning? All right, it's nice outside, so, uh, you know, it's been a good weekend so far, hopefully. Maybe. Okay. All right. For like six of us, we're good. All right, awesome. Um, hey, last week we wrapped up a series called Everyone on Three, and really what we did here at Grace is we spent basically like the whole month of February talking about, we viewed it as kind of like a family meeting where we were talking about some things that we needed to accomplish, some, some goals that we had. We identified three goals that all three campuses would come together over the next three years and that we had tried to accomplish, and, and uh, some things were a little bit different from other campuses, specifically for us as Tiffin because we need to build space and we need to to do some things to help, um, especially with our children's ministry. And so I've been getting questions all week. Everybody is like, hey, so last week we had our like commitment weekend where everybody um, that calls Grace their church home, or a lot of people who call Grace their church home, uh, we committed to an amount over and above what we already do to support our church uh, to get some of these um, projects accomplished. And so a lot of you guys have been asking questions like, so what happened? What's the number? Did you get it? Are we going to be able to do something? Are we going to be able to get, we got some movement going? What's, what's the deal? And the answer, the short answer to that is, yeah, all right? I think we're, I think we're going to be good. I think we're going to be able to start some of this stuff. Um, some of it, we're kind of going out on faith, all right, that, uh, that God's going to provide for us uh, like he always does, and he's going to be moving. And so uh, we are going to go forward based on the commitments that, that you know, you guys in our church family that we all um, did together last week. Uh, we are going to move forward on our projects, and so some things are going to be looking different over the next few months. Uh, the first thing that will get done is the front parking lot, um, so you guys won't have to, like, trip over the potholes and mess up your car and have your kids wading through the two-inch, you know, puddles when it rains. So that's good. Um, and uh, so we're going to start, we're going to, that'll be one of the first things that happens, but we're also going to be able to, to do or to start um, building both children's additions um, which is something that our church needs and something that we view as investing in the next generation. So it's going to be exciting next few years. By the way, if you weren't here last week and you're like, well, you know, I haven't uh, done that yet or turned in cards, we've kind of been getting cards uh, off and on all week. Uh, you can still do that. If you call Grace Your Church Home and you want to be a part of it, of uh, what we're doing here as a church and investing in the next generation. Uh, we have commitment cards at the information center. You can just go fill one out, you know, and uh, turn it in there. And that's all you need to do. And really with that, those cards, they help us um, make wise decisions on when to do things and how to do things, if that makes sense. And so it just helps us plan better and helps us make a better strategy for what we need to do. So again, it's going to be exciting next few years, and I'm pumped, and you should be pumped, and it should be, it should be really good for our church. And God's blessing us, and he's going to continue to bless us. So cool? All right, so that's the update. All right. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> Yay. All right. How many of you guys have noticed that uh, our world is messed up? Anybody noticed that recently? Or maybe 50 years ago you noticed? You know, like, like it's something we all know. Like our, our world's messed up. And uh, it doesn't take us long to figure that out. All you got to do is flip on the TV, get, go online, check out social media, and it's like bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. It's all that we see. It's all this bad stuff that's happening all around the world. And, um, and it's hap you know, a lot of it's happening local and in other places. And it's just like, you know, it's, it's just really, really hard 
for us to miss. And what, what an issue is, we see kind of all these things that are happening on the outside, but one issue is there's a lot of stuff with us that's happening on the inside. And that a lot of things that we don't talk about, I mean, some people do, but, but it's a lot of things that we kind of keep to ourselves. And, um, and we have issues, every single one of us, we have issues on the inside that end up taking over from the inside out. It kind of takes over our lives. And some of the examples that I'm talking about is a lot of us are dealing with uh, anxiety, worry, fear, stress, and depression. Okay, it's just a part of our life. Some of us, we just kind of get used to it. Other of us, others of us, we're trying to fight it, and, and there's just, you know, it's just an issue for a lot of people around us, and it's becoming more and more common among ordinary people today. In fact, over COVID, around two, I guess two years ago, um, there has been a spike in anxiety, worry, stress, uh, fear, and depression that, uh, that we've seen throughout, really, not just here in the United States, but throughout the world. In fact, a lot of... Um, a lot of studies have shown that roughly in the as world as a whole, uh, three to four of the pop four percent of the population of the world uh, struggles with this, like on a daily basis. And so I think when I first read that, I was like, "Well, that's not that much, you know, three to four percent. That means there's like ninety six percent of us that uh, you know we're you know we don't struggle with that as much. But here in the United States, that number is over twenty percent. Right? Kind of interesting." how that works. And it's interesting, something I just kind of want to point out, um, that uh, just so we could kind of come at this at the right angle, is that the place that we live in, Northwest Ohio, coupled with the time that we live in it, 2022, right, we as human beings are living um, the safest lives that really humans have lived throughout human history. Do we realize that? Okay, we are living like the safest lives that people have lived throughout human history. And what I think our issue is, um, you know, like, well, first of all, think about all the common issues that people all around the world have to worry about, like on a daily basis, that we don't have to worry about at all. I mean, you got war, you got, you know, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What, where am I going to sleep? You know, just all this stuff that is normal, everyday thoughts in many places throughout the world today. And that has been a normal thing that people have had to think about on a regular basis throughout human history. But we, in the place that we live in, Northwest Ohio, at the time that we live in, here in 2022, might not always be like this, right? But we have all that. Like we have it all figured out. Like it's all kind of taken care of. In fact, it's not really even a thought. In fact, one of the, you know, the worst thing we got to think about is like, who ate the last piece of pie? You know, it's annoying. I hate when that happens. But, uh, but so things, think about it. Things that actually matter kind of the core things that we need to live, you know, for life. You got, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? Where am I going to sleep? Am I, am I safe? Kind of that stuff, right, we don't have to worry about just because, you know, because we don't have to, because it's all taken care of us. It's all, it's all you know, kind of done. We're, we're, we're safe. We're living safe lives. But anxiety, worry, fear, and stress, and depression, they haven't gone away. Isn't it kind of weird how that happens? You would think it'd be the opposite. You would think, hey, when life is going, you know, when, when I have all the basics of human life kind of at my fingertips and I never have to worry about any of this stuff, you would think that that's when stress and anxiety and depression and fear and all that stuff would go away. But that's just not the case. And what it seems like has happened here in our um, specific culture is that we have diverted our anxiety, worry, fear, stress, and depression to lesser things. In reality, that's what it is. It's lesser, 
It's lesser things that we, that we worry about. 2,000 years ago, Jesus, he stepped on the scene, and he literally said, hey, don't be anxious about anything. He says, hey, you, you don't have to worry. In fact, you shouldn't worry. In fact, he commands us not to worry. He says, hey, don't be afraid. Hey, you don't have to have fear. And he says, hey, you should have joy. Okay, that's the opposite of depression. We should, we should be joy, uh, joyful people, those of us who are Christians. And so that means anxiety, worry, fear, stress, and depression, those are things that God does not want for our life. And that's not how God has made us to really struggle with that stuff. And I think a lot of us as Christians specifically, we say we believe it. We say, yeah, 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 you know, I, I get it. Like, you know, God's taking care of me and God's going to, you know, keep me safe. And God's, you know, he's going to give me the things that I need. I get that. But I feel like a lot of us, we just don't feel it on the inside. And the reality is, and I think I'm going to ruffle some feathers when I say this, um, but here's the reality. I mean, this, is, this is just true. You come debate me after service. I'll be ready, okay? But uh, if we keep God at the center of our life, all that goes away. It's the truth. If we keep God truly at the center of our life, anxiety, worry, fear, stress, and depression in our life. I'm not saying we might not be tempted to, to deal with that stuff in our life. I'm saying all that on a, on a chronic way or, or uh, you know, with our, with our, you know, something on a, on a daily basis. Like all that just goes away. But the issue is... Every single one of us in this room, including myself, we are not good at keeping God at the center of our life. We are not go good on holding on to our relationship with God. That's really kind of what it is. So not everybody in this room, but probably most, most people in this room, right, we have a relationship with God, and we've started that at some point in our life. Hopefully you can think back to that, that time or that moment where that relationship with God actually started or took place. Um, but for most of us, we got this relationship with God, and what we are supposed to do as a Christian is we are supposed to hold on to that as tight as we can. All right, because think about it. That's the most precious thing in our life. I mean, it's, it's, it's super important. In fact, our whole life should kind of revolve around our relationship with God. But we don't do that, right? It, it, we're just not good at it. And that's really our problem. Our root issue in life, especially when we're dealing with stuff on the inside, is we have this relationship with God, but it's not at the center. In fact, it's not the most important thing in our life. Yeah, we might say it using our words, but if we were actually to dig down deep, there's a lot of other stuff that we find more important than where we're at with our creator. And part of the issue for why this is a thing is because the Bible tells us that each and every one of us, that we have an enemy, and our enemy is always trying to trip us up, and our enemy is slick, and our enemy is sly. And for most of us, our enemy doesn't try to convince us um, that, uh, oh, the Bible's not true. Or God doesn't exist. Or Jesus wasn't actually God, all right? Because most of us, we, you know, we go to church. Okay, so those are things that we don't necessarily struggle with. You know what our enemy does? Our enemy does, says things like this. Like, hey, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and read the Bible. All right, that's cool. Just don't believe everything that it says. Or, hey, hey, um, yeah, you can trust in Jesus to save you. I'm, all, I'm, all, I'm down with that, all right? Go for it. Yeah, totally do that. But also, don't forget to trust in yourself. And make sure that you trust in yourself because, you know, make sure that you're a good person and make sure, you know, don't forget to get baptized and put trust in that and faith in that. And so it ends up becoming not just only Jesus I'm putting my faith in um, to, to save myself. It's Jesus and me. See what he does there? See, our enemy tells us, yeah, yeah, sure, go to church. That's totally cool. Just make sure you look good while doing it and hold on to that. 
And make sure you pick the right college. Make sure you pick the right major. Make sure you get good grades so that someday you can get a good job and you can work for that boss and you can kind of get that dream job. And then you can rent that cool apartment. You can hang out with your friends. You can hang out with the right friends and do the things that you want to do. And then someday you're going to meet somebody, right? And everything changes. And you go on a date. Then another date. Then a couple more dates. And you're like, I don't know. This is crazy. This might be the one. I think I like this person. Then you meet their family, and then they meet your family, and that's not comfortable. And then you uh, get engaged, and then you get married. And then it's like, what about my job? What about my career? What about kids? How many kids? I don't know. Do you, well, you got twins. All right, that's crazy. And then... <laughs> And then you got to think about childcare and daycare, and you got to think about babysitting. You got to get a car seat for your car. You got to get a crib. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to, they got to go to school. They got to go to sports. They got to do all this stuff. And then on top of that, what do you got? Well, you got your car. You got your house. You got your, uh, your finances. You got your retirement. You got your investments. You got your meetings. You got your business deals. You got COVID. You got gas prices going up, and it's just crazy. You got all this stuff going on, and politics, and you can't hold on to everything. Right? It's crazy. That's what the enemy does. Right? Isn't that, that's what the enemy does. The enemy is always trying to trip us up. And you know what? Like, I feel like the best way he does that is he, get, he, he, um, he gives us a bunch of busyness. He distracts us with busyness in our life. Now, most of us as Christians... We don't necessarily stop believing in God or decide that we don't want Jesus at the center of our life. Most of us, we just get busy and we kind of lose track of him on the way. And our life progresses. We're like, oh, yeah, I got the relationship with God somewhere. Oh, yeah, it's one of the things that I'm trying to hold on to. We just lose track of it along the way. See, every single one of us, we all have a problem, and the world around us has a problem. We all deal with stuff um, inside that's on the inside of our, you know, on the inside of us and, and, and with our heart. And uh, and it's not just us; it's our friends, our family, our coworkers, our classmates. We're all struggling with things like anxiety, worry, fear, stress, and depression. All right, that I get. There's varying levels, and and we deal with this stuff differently, but God wants us to be a part of the solution, and God teaches us how we can help and how we can counsel people that we care about. And so that means if you are a Christian, you have a role to play in the lives of the people around you. You get that? If you are a Christian, you have a role to play in the lives of the people around you. You are to be a counselor, literally a counselor to the people in your world. So we're going to talk about what that means here this morning. Uh, one time, Paul, uh, he, uh, he's a guy, he wrote a big chunk of the New Testament with, with all of his letters, and um, he's writing the, to this church in this huge city called Thessalonica. Actually, we've been talking about Thessalonica a little bit, um, kind of recently. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about this was the church that, um, that had given a bunch of money. They were super poor, but they had given, uh, they wanted to be a part of what God was doing, so they given a bunch of money to another church in Jerusalem, and Paul was kind of bragging on them. Uh, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. We also went through the first and second Thessalonians. That's two letters that Paul wrote. We went through those like back in November, October, November-ish, and uh, we talked about how God was, or how Paul was explaining Jesus coming back someday and kind of what that meant to these people. And so some of us maybe were a little familiar with these people, but we got to remember that these people have been going through a lot. A lot of these people, these Christians in this church, in this 
city called Thessalonica um, 2,000 years ago. I mean, these, a lot of these people had lost everything. Why? Because they're Christians. Because the government was clamping down. They didn't like this whole idea of Christianity and uh, this whole Jesus guy. And so um, Paul is writing them, and these people have gone through a lot of bad stuff. And Paul, what we're looking at today, he is wrapping up his letter, his first letter, and he talks about the need for Christians to, um, to counsel and to help others other Christians. And so today we're actually going to only go through one verse. We're going to keep it simple. We might even be able to get out early. I know some of you guys are like, yes. All right. And uh, we'll see. Okay. So First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. This is kind of how Paul starts off again. This is at the end of his letter. He says, all right, so this is what I want you to do. He says, we exhort you. Now, I don't know about you, but I never used the word exhort. I actually was like, what is, what is exhort? I don't know. Um, exhort is basically, it's like, uh, it's kind of like the word ask. So he's like, I'm asking you. But it's actually a lot stronger than that. It's uh, more like urge. Like I'm, I'm asking you or I'm urging you to do this. He's saying, hey, this is what we as Christians need to do. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the brothers and sisters. So he's talking to the church. So here this morning, it's like he's talking to us, those of us who are who have a relationship, you know, with Jesus here. Um, he's, uh, he's saying, hey, Grace Community Church in Tiffin, Ohio in 2022, this is what I'm urging you to do. We got it? Okay. All right. Here we go. He says, first thing, he's going to rattle off kind of four things that we need to do while, as we're counseling people around us. He says, first, I want you to warn those who are idle. Now, this word idle, um, we kind of talked about around a year ago when we were going through our work series. The word idle, it's... Uh, it's people who don't do anything, and because of that, they kind of, um, they get into things that they shouldn't be getting into, right? They kind of have a bad attitude, and, and, and because of that bad attitude, they don't do anything even more. It's kind of a, it's kind of a cycle that people um, find themselves in. And so these people are getting disruptive because they're not doing anything, and then they're not doing anything because they're disruptive. And so what he wants us to understand, and I think this is kind of something where our world gets messed up, is that... God has created us to work. We understand that? All right? God's created us to work. Now, I think as Christians, a lot, a lot of times we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Isn't, like, work, wasn't uh, that, like, didn't, that was, was kind of like part of the curse to Adam and Eve when they did something wrong, like when they sinned the first time? Like, wasn't that part of it? No, no. Work became harder for us. But work was a part of our life. We were actually created to work. There's something we were we were made to work. And so somewhere, like deep inside of us, we have this, every single one of us, we have this inner desire to build, create, and accomplish. And when we do that and when we work, we get the sense of fulfillment and the sense of purpose that we all long for. Okay? That's what work does for us. By the way, I feel like I gotta point out real quick, there's a difference between our job and work. All right. Um, I know we say I'm going to work and stuff like that when we're going to our job, but work is a broad category. There's a lot of things that fall under the category of work. Our job is a portion of that, okay? So when I'm saying we all need to work, I'm not saying every single person in here needs to go get a job, you know, based on what you're going on with your life or, you know, if you're retired or not. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we should all work. I think that's what the Bible is very, very, very clear on. We all have work to do outside of our jobs, which means, all right, if we're like, for example, if we're retired, um, maybe you can't work like you used to, like I totally understand that, we're, you know, we all will have to deal with that at some point, um, but, uh, and I'm not saying go get a job, what I'm saying is there's still work for us to do, we should still be doing something with our lives, we shouldn't just be sitting around in the chair watching TV all day, okay, that's idle right there, 
right? Some of you guys are like nudging each other like, told you, you know. That's not, we shouldn't be idle. We should be doing something with our life. Like, and we should, when with that, we get a sense of fulfillment and a sense of purpose. And so as Paul's writing these people in Thessalonica, it's kind of interesting because we also got Paul's second letter to these people, which he writes a few months later. And uh, these people must not have been very good at this because in the second letter, he writes this. He says, hey, for we hear that some of you are still idle. He's like, hey, didn't you get our first letter? Remember when I told you to warn others about being idle and now I still hear that a lot of you guys are still not working? You guys are kind of, you know, um, you guys are being dependent on other people of the church? He's like, that's not cool. He says, those people are not busy, but they're busy bodies. In the original language, this is like, uh, it's a play on words. Actually, it's a play on words in the English language, too. He's basically saying, hey, you're not busy. You're actually busy bodies. You're, you're busy meddling in the affairs of all these other people. You're kind of busy doing nothing is what he's saying. You know people like that? All right? I mean, we, I feel like we all kind of have a, we have a vision of, oh, yeah, like that guy or that lady, you know, um, they're just busy doing nothing. It's kind of useless. See, there's two problems with what's going on here when we're idle. Number one, we're not working, and so we're dependent on others, and that's not what God has called us um, to be. Number two, uh, he, he, uh, Paul, he's like, we turn into like a busybody, okay? We turn into somebody who's up to no good. We're turned into somebody who kind of gets their hands in everything that their hands don't belong in. Um, I remember, I, I think I told this last year when we were doing our work series, but um, there's this guy in our church, he doesn't go to our church anymore, <laughs> but uh, he, uh, he lost his job and he needed some help on some bills. And so one thing that we do as a church family is, the Bible tells us we are called to kind of help each other through that. And so um, we're able to help him out a little bit, but then he kind of kept coming back. And so um, we're not one, we don't want anybody, you know, we know that people shouldn't be dependent on others. And so... Um, this guy was like a middle-aged guy, you know, able to work. And so we went to him. We're like, hey, this is what you need. Let, me, let us help you. Go get a job. All right? That's what you need to do. You need to go get a job. And when he heard that, he, he was like, whoa, I can't do that. I'm too busy for a job. And we're like, what, are, what do you do all day? And he came up with this schedule where he's like, well, you know, um, first I ride my bike here. He had to ride his bike everywhere because he didn't have a job. So he didn't have a car or gas money. And so he's like, well, first I got to ride my bike over here. Then I got to ride my bike over there. Then I go to the library for a couple hours and I get online and I do some stuff there. And then I ride my bike and I say hi to this guy every day. And then I ride my bike over here. And, I, and I'm, it's just, as you hear this, you're just like, it's so sad because here's a guy who's literally busy doing nothing. And what the sad part is, is he is missing out on part of his purpose. There's no fulfillment in that. It's not the life that God has designed us to have. See, part of the problem with our society, and to be honest, part of the problem why anxiety, or anxiety worry, fear, stress, and depression is so prevalent among us, around us, is that our society, we just don't value work anymore. Or we don't value work the same way. Or a lot of us don't. And so with that, we become idle, the word that Paul's using. And with that, we lose our fulfillment and we lose our purpose that we so, that we so longingly, you know, that we long for. And so God's been telling us since the beginning. And we see this at the, really, literally at the beginning of time. He says, it's not good to not work. Right? It's not good for us to not work. It's not good for us just to waste our time and to waste our life doing nothing. 
And so Paul, this is kind of where he starts off with. He's like, hey, you want to help counsel others? You want to help other Christians? This is what you got to do. Number one, you need to warn the idol. You need to tell them, hey, it's not good to not work. And, uh, and when you warn them, that's actually a good thing for them to hear. But then he gives a second one. He says, so warn them um, to uh, those who are idle. But second, you need to comfort the discouraged. Now, this is something that I feel like a lot of us think we're really good at. And actually, a lot of us are not good at. Um, the word comfort here is not necessarily mean give advice, okay? doesn't mean we have to tell them our opinion and we got to force that upon people. The word comfort here literally means encourage, like you're trying to encourage them. It's literally like calming words, soothing words. See, most of us, I think, um, what we do, and I'm, and I'm included in this, we see someone struggling around us. And uh, they're struggling with, you know, uh, stuff on the inside. Maybe they got stuff on the outside, which causes stuff on the inside to, to start happening with worry and anxiety and stress and depression and fear. And we just, you know, people around us are just struggling with all this stuff on the inside. And we feel like we need to give them our opinion and our advice. Like, that's our go-to thing. Like, oh, I know how I'll help you. Here's what you need to do. This is what I think. Like, that's our go-to. That's what we do. And what we do is we think we're comforting, but the reality is... Most of the times we're not. Sometimes it's even, we say good stuff, it's just in the way that we say it or in the tone that we use. Now, you know this has happened to you um, where, have you ever given someone advice where it just makes things worse? No? Okay, yeah. Like that's happened, okay? Even like as a middle schooler, you know that that happens. Um, you know, you give someone advice and it just makes things worse. And when that usually happens, usually what we do is we kind of blame them. It's like, well, it's their fault. They're not, they're not willing to listen. Not willing to listen. Man, it's just going to, you know, it's just gonna, their life's just going to spiral down. They're just going to be struggling with this, for, you know, this particular thing for a long, long time. Even more than that, um, what we end up doing is we start, like, watching their life kind of like a hawk. And when it gets worse and worse and worse, we're, like, the first ones there. And we're there to say, I told you so. Told you you shouldn't have done that. Should have listened to me. You know, we're there to kind of stick it to them. And my guess is that when we do that, we're probably not the most comforting people. Right? I don't think that's very comforting. See, when we're counseling people that we care about, they don't always need to hear our opinion, but we are to comfort them, is what Paul's telling us to do. So Paul says, first, you need to warn the idol. You need to tell people that it's not good to not work. Second of all, you need to comfort the discouraged. The third thing he tells us is we need, we need to help the weak. Um, this, uh, scholars kind of debate a little bit about this, about who the weak is. Is it physically weak people or is it people who are weak in, you know, in their relationship with God? I think it's pretty clear that um, it's people who are weak in their relationship with God, which means every single one of us fall under this category sometimes. Like, I don't think there's any of us that are like, yeah, my relationship with God is 100% awesome 100% of the time. Like, we don't do that. I've never met anybody like that. And if I do, they're a complete liar. And so I'm not going to listen to them anyway. But, uh, but God has designed us to help each other grow in our relationship with him. You know what that means? That means that if you are a Christian, you are somewhat responsible for the spiritual maturity of Christians around you. If you're a Christian, you are somewhat responsible for the spiritual maturity of the Christians around you. And I think that's something that most of us ignore. Like, think about it. When was the last time you helped someone grow in their relationship with God? 
Like when was the last time you helped your spouse grow in your relationship with God or your boyfriend or your girlfriend? Or when was the last time you helped your kids grow in their relationship with God? Just because they're adult, I mean, they're still your kids, you know? When was the last time you helped your friend grow in their relationship with God or your coworkers grow in their relationship with God? Uh, we see this really all throughout the Bible. One time in the Old Testament, this guy named Solomon, who was a king, he was actually the wisest man to have ever have lived. Uh, he described it this way. He's like, no, we're supposed to be like iron sharpening iron. We sharpen each other. It's not always the most comfortable thing. It's not always the most pleasant thing. But it's sharp. we sharpen each other, and it's good for us. That's how God has designed us as we live our life. We're to help each other, specifically help each other grow in our relationship with God. Help each other hold on to our relationship with God as, as tight as we can. And I think this is like the key issue here. And usually when we're helping somebody, when they're going through some hard time or they're struggling with anxiety or worry or stress or or fear, or depression, or whatever that might be, usually we give those people practical advice. <sighs> Count to 10. You know, we, like, you know, you should do this. You should quit. You should just stop that. You should move forward. You should do that. We think of all this stuff, but we got to remember that the root problem when we're struggling with that stuff, and it becomes a real thing, is that God, just God's not the center of our life. Like, think about it. How many times do we counsel people where God's not even in the equation. Like, think about it. When we're, let's say we're dealing with another Christian who um, they're going through some stuff in their life. Like, we're a Christian, okay, or most of us in here. So God's supposed to be the number one in our life. And we're trying to counsel somebody, another Christian, who are God's number one in their life. But we have this whole discussion about all this stuff that's going on, and God doesn't even come up in the conversation. You know, what we're doing is we're ignoring the root issue. We're ignoring the root problem. Um, uh, a couple years ago, I uh, bought this, like, uh, messed up building in Fremont <laughs> um, for, like, an investment property, something I've been, like, uh, working on for the last couple years. And um, I bought it real quick. I got it super cheap, and I found out why I got it super cheap later. But uh, the, one of the days I'm, like, there, I'm, like, tearing stuff out. It's super nasty on the inside. And I noticed that it's raining, and the, the back wall of this building, which isn't very big, but the back wall, I mean, it's, like, it's like soaking wet, like it's raining on the inside. It's not something that's good. And so I'm like, oh, okay, so I have an issue with water. And so what do you start doing? Okay, you can either ignore it, which isn't a good option, or you start peeling back the layers. So it was paneling that was all like warped and stuff. So I pulled off the old paneling, and then I can't figure it out. So I pull out all the insulation, and I get to the studs, and the studs are all rotted. So I have to tear all that out, and I have to rebuild all the studs, and I get all that done. And then I notice the next time it rains, it's still raining on the inside. I'm like, oh, okay, so the water's coming from somewhere else. So I got to like trace the water back up to the roof, and I got to, you know, fix that and put flashing underneath and just... You just have to do all this stuff. Now, what I could have done is pulled off the wet paneling and then re-drywalled it. And that would have looked good for a while. But that wouldn't have fixed the problem. Like, the problem would have come back. Right? The issue is still there. I, it's, that's, that's me not getting to the root of the problem. And it's going to reoccur. It's going to show up again in my life, unfortunately. See, that's what we do. When we ignore the whole relationship with God aspect, when we're dealing with anxiety, stress, uh, worry, uh, fear, and depression, if we don't deal with our relationship with God and growing in our relationship with God, it's just going to come back. we got to deal with the root problem. And so Paul, 
he rattles off these three things. He says, first, you need to warn the idol. You need to comfort the discouraged. You need to help the weak. And then while you're doing all three of these things, he finishes off. He says, you need to be patient with, what's this word? Everyone. So not just the easy ones. Some people it's easy to be patient with. You're like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, let me, you know, other people you're like, ugh, you know. It's be patient with everyone. Basically what Paul's saying, he's like, hey, it takes time. Like it's not, none of us are like perfect where we could just snap out of it overnight, where we could just, you know, fix this in our life. It takes time. Our problems don't usually just fix themselves. I'm sure you've noticed that at some point in your life that, oh, I have to put like effort and work and I have to actually try to take care of this issue. Um, helping people, when we're helping people, investing in people, and we're doing like the people work, when we're counseling people, it takes time. Why? Because we're different. And we mature at different rates, and we have different personalities and backgrounds and likes and dislikes and habits. And, and this makes helping others um, very complex sometimes, and it makes helping others uh, difficult as we warn and we confront and we help them. And on top of that, don't forget about that enemy who's always against us, who's always trying to trip us up, who doesn't, try, who doesn't stop trying to get us to let go of our relationship with God. See, part of the reason... Why people around us are so weighed down with anxiety, fear, stress, and depression is that we don't warn them, and we don't comfort them, and we don't help them. And if we do some of that, usually it's not done with patience. And so I was just thinking this week, you know, how, what do we do? Like, how do we fix this? So I think we should all do as a church family this week individually, is that we need to think about how we can be a counselor. How can we help the people around us? Some of us is super uncomfortable for us. Some of us, we're just not naturally good. I don't think I'm a naturally good counselor, okay? I'll straight up say it. I'm a pastor, and that's in, like, my job description is I'm supposed to do counseling, and I do counseling a lot. But a lot of times I'm sitting there, and there's two people sitting there, and they're, you know, having an issue with each other and they're kind of complaining about each other and they're telling me, well, I'm, you know, they're doing this and they're doing this and you hear about all this stuff. And on the inside, I'm just like, you know, well, first of all, on the outside, I'm like, okay, well, you know, this is probably, you know, I try to act patient. But on the inside, I'm not very patient. On the inside, I'm just like, stop it. You stop doing that. That's super annoying. You stop doing that. That's annoying this person. You know, it's just like, just stop it. But on the outside, I'm like, Phew. you know, I'm not naturally, I'm not naturally, I'm just not a good counselor. See, the question is, do you know of anyone in your life, like even if it's awkward and even when we don't feel like we're good at it, do you know of anyone in your life who is idle and discouraged or maybe their relationship with God is not where it's supposed to be or, or anything like that? And this is what God's telling you today. God is telling you his words, not mine. He's telling you that uh, you are to play a role in their life. And that role that you're supposed to play is you are supposed to warn them, you're supposed to comfort them, and you're supposed to help them. And maybe here this morning, you're sitting here, you're like, man, that's me. Like, I'm the one struggling. How am I supposed to help others when I'm the one who needs help? Like, I'm discouraged, or I haven't, you know, I'm dealing with anxiety, or I've got this fear in my life, I don't know how to get rid of it, or, or I'm, I'm stressing out about work, and I'm stressing out about this, or, you know, I'm like, I'm like kind of depressed, and, and my relationship with God is just not, not right. Maybe what you need to do here this morning is you just got to tell somebody. 
right? You need to ask somebody to help you through this. You need to ask somebody, hey, or just talk it out with somebody, with another Christian. Maybe that's your step, because we're meant to do life together, and we're meant to sharpen each other. Men, one way that's really easy for us to do this, just so happens to be coming up, is what AJ was talking about earlier in the service, Fight Club. That's what we do, right? We break up into, like, kind of groups. Um, it's only two nights out of the whole, like, eight weeks that we're doing this. It's just basically challenges that you're doing by yourself. But you have some guys there who are like, hey, did you do this thing today? Hey, did you, did you read your Bible today like you're supposed to? Did you do this? Did you do that? You know, it's like we, we help each other um, kind of accomplish some of these goals. We help each other get better, specifically in our relationship with God and our relationship with our spouses and our family and just all these different things, physically even, you know, where we help each other through this. It's how God has designed us to live. But probably a lot of us, like me, we're just not good at doing it. So I encourage you to do that. Sign up for that. But throughout this week, I just want us to think about how can we help those around us. Because people, you know, all around us at work, at school, everywhere, in our families, people are dealing with stuff. And God has called us to be the solution. God has called you to be the solution. Let's pray. God, we thank you um, for these words, and it's not always easy, and uh, we struggle with this stuff, God, and we ask that you would help us to be a good counselor, and that we'd be able to warn others, that we'd do that with patience, and that we'd be able to comfort others and help others, God, just what you've called us to do. Some of us, we're just not gifted that way, or we, or let me say this, we don't feel like we're gifted that way, but that's still what you're telling us to do, God. We ask that you would help us um, be good at that. Help us to look for people and, um, and just look for different areas that, of how we can help. And Lord, those of us, a lot of us in here, I mean, we need help. We all need help. Help us to find somebody in our life that we can kind of attach to, that we can kind of lean on as we grow in our relationship with you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.